Hi there, Brianne here, also known as the People Engineer, and welcome to the People Engineer Podcast. I'm a manufacturing consultant, international speaker, and a singer. With 10 plus years of continuous improvement and a lifetime of resilience, my calling is to help you get over your constraints, both personally and professionally. If you are trying to let go of the past, currently battling limiting beliefs, or nervous as hell about what the future does or does not hold for you, this podcast is for you. Here, we focus on life, career, and growth from real life experiences to hard conversations with ourselves. My guests and I are opening our hearts and minds to helping improve your next steps. Welcome to the People Engineer Podcast. Hey there, Brianne here. Welcome to another episode of the People Engineer Podcast. And I cannot tell you guys, um, today is just a wonderful day because I get to share my hype woman with y'all of several years, uh, Jill and I met through Instagram. So shout out to hashtag women in STEM, um, just finding each other. And I will be totally honest and I'm going to fangirl with her right here on camera with me, um, of her simply being an engineer as well as, you know, I think at the time you're pursuing like your master's and even talking about PhD and like physics and all the research and stuff you were doing. And I just thought, man, this girl's like not only a badass, but like doing the things, you know, as well as, um, you know, really promoting what you were doing. And excuse me for being basic for a second, but you're just like gorgeous on top of it. So I was like, man, she just got like all the blessings. <laughs> so it was, it was really oh cool God. that we were just reciprocated with like, man, I, I feel so empowered by you and thanks for cheering me on. Um, so I guess, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are, Jill, and kind of what yeah, you do? That's quite an intro. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, honestly, I feel like we're soul sisters and we met at like the perfect time when I was just leaving grad school and trying to figure out like what was next for me in this next phase. But, um, yeah, so I'm Jill. I work as a senior staff scientist and I develop lithium ion batteries for electric vehicles right now. So I work in industry, I have my master's in material science and engineering, and my bachelor's in physics with the minor in music, which we both have in common, our musical mm -hmm. side. And we both have our pianos, like, yeah, exactly. right in the frame. <laughs> so wonderful. Um, so yeah, I, I work as a scientist, and then on the side, I'm also starting up a business, my first business, called the STEM Thrive Guides, which I'm happy to talk more about as we converse <laughs> so. yeah love it love it um i'm so excited like you said and uh to your point again it was kind of something where i just thought here i am doing all these things and we met like i said online what was it probably three or four years ago yeah um, to just simply have this community of of women looking out for each other encouraging one another uh i know you and i would just have vent sessions on the phone and we're like i know i don't really know you but like can we just talk <laughs> totally yes yes yeah, especially so since we both have a history of like PTSD and so like you being so open and vulnerable with your story to me that was like such a blessing at that point in my life when I did not know how to navigate PTSD and that recovery process and that healing and so just knowing another happens to be a woman engineer too mm -hmm. like going through a similar thing just meant the world to me. Yeah, it, it was really something that I, I just felt, you know, I had to say it out loud because for so many years I had been kept inside and kept inside. And, you know, especially as the child abuse I had experienced kind of su continuously suppressing that I felt like I'd have to say it out loud, you know, and so it was yeah. part of that just outward facing therapy, like getting it out and, and no longer like being kept inside me helped. 
Um, and again, it was like small Instagram posts. I'm not like Insta famous or anything, but just to say like, Hey, this is where I'm learning, or this is what I'm seeing or catching or, you know, growing within myself. Uh, so it means a lot. Again, people like you or people that I'm able to connect with um, to just say like, Hey, you're not alone. And like, you know, just to have someone to talk to. So th that means a lot. Thank you. And that's the key is that we aren't alone. Like mm -hmm. when you're going through so much stuff, you're never alone. There's always other people experiencing that. It's horrible. Like, I don't want anyone to experience that. that yeah. you're, you're never alone. And I think, especially in the fields that we work in, so many things are stigmatized and taboo that it, we can't even talk about these things, even though everyone goes through it. Absolutely. And it's pervasive. Like, it's not an exception to the rule. It is a rule. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think to your point, just kind of uh, and I know that's something we kind of planned on talking about is simply just being your full self, owning who you are, owning your identities, owning, you know, kind of what has happened to you, what you're experiencing. Um, and funny enough, there was even a LinkedIn article and I thought, oh, I have to bring this up to Jill. Uh, it's saying, um, you know, like COVID is really, uh, what is it called? Like exacerbating, is that the word? Like really just making it a big deal of still the gaps between expectations of women in the workplace and men, particularly because now like they're at-home moms with a full-time job and they're kind of having to juggle it all. Um, where as for me, I, I almost think it's kind of um, similar to the you know racial inequities that are happening. It's like pushing it to the forefront. Like we can no longer deny it because before I would say, oh, well, you're a mom, you know, up until eight o'clock and then you can be a mom when you clock out at five. And the reality is like, you don't stop being a parent because you're at work. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how this works. Yeah. So this whole compartmentalization, again, I feel like COVID is this new um, harsh mirror. I, uh, last episode, I kind of talked about Dorian Gray. Like we just have to face this the ugliness and, you know, learn to either accept or grow or make changes that are necessary. Yeah. It's, and I feel like it's polarized into who gets a benefit during COVID and who is really suffering. Like, if you were suffering before, like it's probably worse. Mm -hmm. And if you were doing like, okay, like it may be even better if you're a parent. Cause I know people who actually have a more flexible schedule now because they can work from home if they choose to. Mm -hmm. And that's almost better for their childcare needs versus someone who's maybe like doesn't, can't afford the kind of child support that they need in order to do their job that maybe is more demanding in certain respects. Like it just, you're right, it just exacerbates all these issues and the disparity is just so much more obvious and clear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you add on the technology, right? Again, if the kids were having a hard time focusing in school because they had family issues, again, those family issues are now 24 seven. So to think that a kid can just, oh, well, you have to sit in a quiet room and like, you know, this is how we're gonna learn today. Like not everyone has that privilege or again, even just the blessing of, of those surroundings and situations. So. Um, I know, again, you and I are both mentors and have plenty of mentees out there, uh, but something that had come up several times in the last few years for me is that, you know, I, I'm very much having to, you know, be grateful for and acknowledge my own privilege and things like, yes, we had, you know, it hard going through school, again, <laughs> very few women in engineering, uh, but a lot of times these kids just, you know, like my parents don't get it or they're not supportive of me or, you know, like I have to work for them with them. And then when I try to study, like they don't ever give me a break. And it's, it's kind of um, disheartening to hear that, you know, they're trying to break through and, you know, have generational change and um, just, you know, not having that support system at the very basic level, it seems to be a whole nother thing of a privilege. Definitely. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah. So I know like we were talking about, and again, I kind of started, uh, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much. I'm excited. We finally got to make it happen. Uh, is you had made this huge announcement. It was probably a month or two ago at this time, but that you were um, getting your second patent. So I know we can talk about your patents. Um, so again, just badass all the way around. Um, but then you had this realization. So you're like, yeah, my patent came in. And then you were kind of like, is it really that big of a deal? Because I have good ideas whether or not a piece of paper validates that. Um, so would you mind, I guess, if you can share details about your patent or even how it came about applying for it and then kind of what that uh, mindset sure. shift happened? Sure. I'll kind of give a little longer version of the story just to provide some background. Yeah, please. So, so I was studying for my PhD in material science and engineering, and I was in a very toxic lab environment while I was in graduate school and experienced some ab abuse from my graduate advisor. And so I ended up leaving that program and I knew I wanted to be a battery scientist. I'm a little crazy, I guess. I was like, I want to do this so badly. And I ended up going, finding a position in my current company. So I was hired as a research scientist in summer of, or a research technician in summer of 2016. And so three years later, I worked so freaking hard and I finally got that promotion to senior scientist. Like I went from research technician to scientist to now senior scientist. Oh. And I mean, oh my goodness. I, oh, so I feel like I made it without a PhD, which is huge. Right. It's, for me, at least, that was huge because I thought I needed a PhD to do the work that I'm doing now. Right. On top of that, in the first few months of my job at this company, I kind of went rogue on a project. I was like, I think I have an idea of what will work for this experiment. And they're telling me, no, Jill, like, don't do that. I did it anyway. And <laughs> I made a discovery and my team did not believe my data. And I think wow. it was because I was new and I, and they didn't know me that I, you know, they don't trust my results. They mm -hmm. don't really understand how the equipment worked. Like that was my expertise, not theirs. So it took months of me convincing them and teaching them, educating them, using mm -hmm. that science communication skills to get them to understand that the data was meaningful and then we were able to patent it. So that was my first patent and I'm super proud of that one. And so that was actually the second patent that was granted that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So I'm really proud of that. Um, and for like, I've filed 11 patents now. So over the past few years, yeah. And it's, it's been, it's been really rewarding to me. I mean, I don't have any publications, so patents are kind of like my publication working yeah. in industry. Um, and I just feel like when my first patent was granted, as a woman in engineering, just through the ages, you're you're not taken seriously. Mm -hmm. um, you're doubted, and that plants seeds of self-doubt in yourself. And so, as I was filing these patents, you know, it's great that I'm filing these patents, but at the same time, especially in fields of heavy in manufacturing, a patent is just an idea. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to prove it out or understand why it works. You can literally patent anything. You just have to throw a few thousand dollars at it and hope nobody else has copied you. And so in a way, knowing that you can patent anything with some money, you realize like, well, a patent isn't really that meaningful unless, you know, there are patents that make tons of money for people yeah. and, those, and do change people's lives for the positive. But maybe some other patents are just 
tucked away in the paperwork and you know not nobody thinks about that and so different patents have different levels of importance and attributing so much important to one patent um, may not be the best approach to think about patents um, but in our society they're lauded they're highly esteemed you know and as a there's what like 10 less than 20 percent of patent holders are women in the united states and to me that <laughs> women have great ideas but there's not a lot of financial access or access to these institutions that produce the patents and so you think of all this knowledge of women collectively around the world for years and years in the past like women have been silenced in so many ways whether it's like witch burnings or um not the right not getting the right to vote you know there's so many different ways and so um that shows up in the numbers as far as patents that are published so that's my long little rant about it but no no and and i mean i'm like over here like <laughs> naps tweetables because you're, you're totally right and especially in the manufacturing side uh, and like I said, I learned so much from you and again, so many other, you know, women that are just out there learning and trying for the first time, because again, first of all, 11 patents, like, holy hell, go girl, right? We'll see, uh, we'll see. You're just fine. Yeah. Uh, but even that's a big deal because for me, even in the manufacturing space, like, you know, I'm a nerd for Lean Six Sigma. I'm a nerd for like, you know, the processes and how we go about things. And again, never once did I ever think like, oh, I can patent this, you know, for the designs that I'm coming up with uh, or the processes that I'm, you know, proposing, um, you know, like there's these fundamental, um, you know, principles that we learn, but then to kind of, again, take it into implementation or the idea about how we go about it. And I always just thought it was simply just a design. Uh, but again, as you're saying, like it could be a concept or it could be the way that you implement something. And again, I would have never thought like, oh, I need to get a patent. Or similarly, you were talking about your business earlier and same for me, like, I just thought, oh yeah, let me slap the people engineer on it because that's what, you know, I just envisioned it being. And it wasn't until I started kind of surrounding myself with other entrepreneurial people that they're like, you need to trademark that. Like, that's your thing. That's your service. That's what you do, you know? And I thought, crap, I would have never, how do you, how do you even submit a trademark, you know? So it's a bunch of these things to your point of, you know, women may be in this space and we are kind of just grateful that we're there. Uh, we don't want to ruffle too many other feathers or hurt the egos of our counterparts or our coworkers. And it's just a whole nother thing of kind of just showing up and saying, yo, this is my idea. This is who I am. Uh, funny enough, I um, had a, did a post about like the, my idea was a workbook and I've been trying for the last three years to get this done. Yeah. And, and, and like the first thing was one of our senior leaders, um, you know, actually said like, oh, I'm so excited. So-and-so you know, decided to do this. And I was like, this was my idea. <laughs> and I felt kind of like full of myself. I didn't want to be egocentric or like own it, but at the same time, own it. exactly. I was own like, it. Oh, this is my <laughs> thing. Like I worked hard for this. Um, and so it is kind of one, I always talk about the dichotomy, but understanding, yes, there can be arrogance and, you know, egocentric part about it. But the other side is I feel like you know, we're more likely to stay quiet and be fearful rather than just be like, this is me. I'm proud of, you know, my work, my effort, my ideas. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that. It's, it's exciting to hear 11. You're, Even if you're, so, you're so right, though, about those limiting beliefs that we have mm -hmm. that like, oh, 
a patent is so, or a trademark is so up there. Like mm -hmm. I am not worthy of that. <laughs> or it's like, how I'm not that yeah. genius level to do, but it's yeah, not that not, official. It, it takes like, I filed for the trademark for my thing. I don't mm -hmm. even know if I did it right. It went through. So, so far so good, but still, as I'm doing it, I'm like, who do I think <laughs> I am? I, I you know, like, yeah. Um, but it's so true. And once, once I think, um, what helped me was it was my boss who was like, "Let's patent it." And then I helped write the disclosure. Once I've written a couple disclosures, which my the lawyers at my company helped me so much. And so it's it's really not too much work on my behalf. And they revise it, and and I just like sign my name and hope that it goes to the right places. Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes to coming up with an idea for a patent, like you said, the process is like, just write it down, go to your, go to your boss and be like, I invented this process. Like, let's patent it. Like that's, that's it. And yeah. you don't even have to prove if the process works. You don't, it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> like even some of the, some of the patents that I've filed, like we've never proved it out. It was, we were literally in a conference room. I don't know if I should say this, but <laughs> not to, I don't, I think your listeners will be should hear this um yeah. like they sat us in a pat in a conference room for a patent harvest mm -hmm. and i literally just brought like my notebook with like random ideas we have not tried like half of them but i'm like oh, here's here's something new yeah it took all of them Love and it. we had like it was just like oh let's try this this then this like it doesn't it's not rocket science right but it is rocket science. Sometimes. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but I love it because again, like it, it could be something as simple. And th that's what I actually love about like human centered design. And again, brainstorming because there is really no bad idea. And yeah. again, like you don't know until you know, and if you try it and it doesn't work, okay. And if you try it and it works great. Um, so I, again, I appreciate you sharing the insight because to your point, like we think we see it as like this holy grail and yeah. um, it, it's, it's really not that and big of a deal. Something that happens with me a lot too is, um I'll have an idea but I'll think oh it's it's a silly idea like somebody else is probably or it's obvious mm -hmm. somebody else probably has tried this or knows this no <laughs> even the obvious ones can be over people's heads like you don't know until you put it out there and you really talk about it so definitely like notice those limiting beliefs and like that's my advice for people oh, notice yeah. limiting beliefs speak up um even if you're wrong, even if it doesn't matter, just you'll find that the people who have the most influence in the workplace tend to just talk a lot. They may be right, they may be wrong. It's like a, it's a percentage, like maybe they're 50% right, but then they just talk a lot. So it, you know, adds up, so. Oh yeah, and we're here for it, Jill. Again, like the whole People Engineer Network, to your point, limiting beliefs, again, just kind of going up. Um, and I'm really big into sports analogies, so they always say like the best hitters are literally exactly to your point. Like they just swing all the time. And it's because they're like, they're gonna get lucky at one point, or again, their skill's gonna show up and it's gonna be the right pitch and it'll take off. But if you're not even swinging and you're just barely showing up, um, again, you're not really gonna land on anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with that, I know we were talking about too, like the skill set, right? Um, if it's not taught, it's taboo to talk about, um, you know, people that are privileged. Uh, it's not really a skill in the industry, but just to kind of know these things. Uh, did you find that, I know you had said like your boss was pushing for it. Do you find other people, um, I said it beautifully of like, who do I think I am? <laughs> kind yeah. of just, ha just have that. Um, I guess, how did you 
get the gumption to kind of just show up for yourself? Oh man, years <laughs> of years of struggle. Um, I mean, I was, I wasn't confident when I was younger. Um, I just wasn't, I didn't speak up. I, I was quiet. Um, and I think what really just helped me was as just keep going and like, you'll fail so many times that failure won't be a bad thing anymore. Like you'll see it as just part of the process mm -hmm. and not be afraid to fail, not be afraid to be wrong. Um, yeah, I'm more afraid now of like being harassed or abused. I don't care if I spit out a bad idea in a meeting, you know what I mean? Like there's worse things. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And I think you said it beautifully when you mentioned um, of just common knowledge or you think it's a, a obvious thing. Um, you know, like I said, it, it becomes a common theme here where it can be even common knowledge. You, everyone can know it, but then whether or not it becomes common practice is the actual, you know, differentiator. Um, so I appreciate you saying that and reiterating. I know the topic of failure comes up, especially with women, um, particularly, and then women of color, any kind of marginalized group, is we just feel like we're representing all of women every time we step in the room. We're representing all of, you know, the Hispanic people, um, you know, when I'm called on. And I just think, you know, you, again, you mentioned it's kind of like, you know, it's a part of the process, like failing and you just kind of, okay, well, that's one way that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in reality, it's such a human experience for us to just try things, right? Like as a child, you don't learn to not touch the stove until you burn your hand and learn, oh, that's hot. Um, so it, it's just kind of so counterintuitive that we have these expectations of ourselves or even of each other. Uh, I know I personally have had to work on not judging others because like everyone's learning and hopefully everyone is showing up with their best, but you know, I'm not really one to, to make that call. Yeah. And everyone's different. Like the reason, the struggles we have, that's why it's so difficult to navigate all these situations is because like my past is different than your past is different than other people's past. And so the, like the baggage and the limiting beliefs and the, you know, are the things that we impede ourselves in, like the things in our control that we put up barriers for ourselves are all unique to us. And so it really takes a lot of self-awareness and emotional intelligence and personal growth in order to identify where those blockages are and then work to overcome those. And um, I do think in general, like the rhetoric around women in STEM can be very problematic in certain ways, just in that it, it puts a burden on women, but it's not like the right burden that you should be putting on women to make change or people of color too, to mm -hmm. make change in the workplace, um, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And I love that you said that because it's difficult again, as you and I have been again in this kind of psychom world over the last several years, um, it seems like the narrative shifts and I find myself very um, in observant mode. Like, yes, I'm gun ho and I'm obviously sharing and creating content. Um, but I have noticed the shift of, you know, that this is the system we're in to totally creating a new system to, we want to have the same system, but for us, you know, so the whole, like the fe uh, future is female, you know, for me, I'm like, that's literally becoming the problem that we're trying to fight, <laughs> you know, like we can't leave each other out. Um, and, and it, it just becomes like, it's really interesting because yes, we want to be you know, all inclusive, right? The more diverse, the more inclusive and equitable that we can be, like the better that we'll all move forward. Um, so I guess, have you seen or have
have you learned the balance? Because I know this is a question I ask myself of like when to kind of just learn to work in the system or when to kind of leave it and, and do your own thing. It's an ongoing process forever is what I've realized. And the barometer I use is my health and my mental, especially my mental health, because I think the mental health is affected first and then it gets manifested as a physical illness. So when it comes to, if you're in a toxic work environment, um, there are ways to care for yourself in that environment so that you don't experience as bad of health systems. But just knowing that this is toxic and I can't really do anything to change this, I think for me at least, I know I just need to get out as soon as I can. Like this is a waste of my time and energy because I will not as an individual be able to change this. And so it's, you're definitely in that point managing your self-care to care for yourself. But the best case scenario is that your toxic, your work environment is not toxic. And then you get to put all that energy into actually doing your job and being productive. Mm -hmm. It's so backwards to me that people don't see issues like harassment and whatnot as a public health issue, as a damper, like it dampens productivity in the workplace. So employers should want their employees to feel safe and comfortable and valued in their work environment so that they do their best work and are happy doing it and are more productive doing it. It's so companies that let people get away with harassment are just, they're putting up barriers for their employees to do their job. And that seems very counterproductive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and even that, I know, again, you and I have both experienced, you know, like sexual harassment or these kind of just unwarranted advances, which is like to me, so like 1950s, like, can we catch up? Um, But even more so, uh, and I know it's another topic we, you and I have talked about over the years, um, but even like the woman on woman, like jealousy or micromanaging, or I don't like your ideas strictly because they're yours. Um, and to your point, I think it's just counterproductive. Uh, and I love that you use the term, you know, a barometer and using your personal health as kind of just that gauge, uh, yes. because I've similarly found myself. And like you said, I've kind of just noticed um, one, I'll like, you know, I'll go off the deep end because I'm really passionate about this project and, you know, my mental health will kind of, you know, drain, but it's a lot of like energy noticing again, to your point, is this energy going in the right place? Is it like at least being invested? And again, if it's kind of the good fight, sure. Uh, but to your point, if I'm just kind of, you know, knocking my head up against a brick wall, like, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing that. And I'm 150% on board with exactly what you said of just identifying mm-hmm. toxicity, harassment yeah. in any form uh, of like, that is a public health issue. Again, that's like a societal, how we treat each other and what we expect and will um, continue to accept um, or even tolerate within each other, you know? So if you see someone else, you know, being rude or ugly or, you know, disrespectful to someone, like we shouldn't stand for that. Um, and it doesn't have to be a personal attack on me. It's like, hey, like you, you shouldn't allow, you know, you shouldn't be talking to another human that way. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really concerning to me, exactly as you said it, that, that that's not the case. Yeah, and definitely kind of tying it back to our pre, when we were talking about the patent. Mm-hmm. So in science and technology fields, like STEM fields, the type of knowledge that's really put on a pedestal and praised is that intellectual, um, like in your head, innovating that kind of knowledge, the patents, the publications. 
What's not given so much value is the more intuitive side, the side of feeling. And so when it comes to when you're being trained in a scientific field, you're trained to work on your brain and develop your critical thinking, but you're not really trained to tap into your intuition. Mm-hmm. And what's backwards to me is that your intuition is often way more wiser than your brain. Like you, it needs to come from your intuition to your intellect and not the reverse. Mm-hmm. And so when we experience like a toxic work environment, harassment, and our immediate response is to like solve the problem or, and usually the easy solution is like, well, I'm just going to brush this off and not deal with it. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not that big of a deal. And then it like manifests and we get sick, you know? And it's like, really what we should be doing is coming from our intuition and be like, this does not feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. I do not feel safe. I'm not going to do my best work because I'm, I don't feel comfortable and safe in my work environment. Therefore, it's not just my problem. It's my employer's problem. Like this is going to affect my conduct or um, what am I even saying? My productivity. Yeah, productivity. And, I got you. And I like comparing it to like facing harassment and being harassed. It's almost like your computer breaks. When your computer breaks, you don't ignore it and go, oh, I can probably manage to do my work without that. No, you, you go to your, your boss and you say, hey, my computer broke. Can you help me get it fixed? And you get it fixed and you go on. Same with harassment. Harassment is a problem impeding your productivity. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to go to your boss and be like, hey, I'm being harassed. I mean, there's a, there's a way to do it, which I teach in my course, but you say, you know, I'm being harassed and they should help you fix that problem so you can be productive. Mm-hmm. And the thing is like that emotion just isn't valued in those hard science fields. So yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that you covered that. And actually, it's a really perfect segue because um, we had talked about kind of like the industry as we know it, to your point uh, of, um, the, the, again, it's the big idea thing. It's the, you know, just work through it. It's not that big of a deal. Uh, I know I personally uh, have had the whole, like, why are you so emotional? Um, and I'm like, I, I'm, first of all, I'm passionate because like you wasted my time having me do this thing um, when, you know, like we could have been all doing something else. Uh, and it was simply just the fact that like I was assigned a task. I was out for half a day helping our plant with inventory. And then my boss, which was another micromanager, my boss's boss, actually, he kind of like sub assigned the same thing I had already done to someone else. And so then when I came back that afternoon from inventory, they were like, oh, so this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And I just sent an email. I was like, hey, like, just let me know next time. Like, I won't do it you know, or like, you know, like, let's, let's, uh, I don't even remember how I said it, but something along the lines of like, let's better communicate. So then we don't have double the efforts. And it became this whole thing. And of course, I was one of two people of color in my group and the only woman and the youngest by like 20 years. (laughs) Uh, But then they were like, why are you so emotional? Or, you know, you don't have to get so upset. And I was like, not even up. Yeah. And I was like, it's not even upset. Like, just don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. Like, can we just allocate resources? You know, I was just calling it for what it was and it became this thing. Um, yeah. So is that something, I guess, that's manufacturing? Is that like a blue collar thing? Is that a classist thing? I mean, you know, I saw this article recently that was published talking about dynamics in gaming, so looking at players in Halo mm-hmm. and how they found that in Halo, it kind of mimics um, like a patriarchal structure where you have like the alpha males who are like the good players at the top and then you have the men who don't play halo as good as the other guys or whatever they are down and what they found is that the alpha males the guys who are good players at halo 
don't as much like um, condemn the women or harass the women who are playing, but the other men who are not as good of players, they'll attack women even more. Mm. And it has to do with like, they think it's tied to this competition where now the women are entering that hierarchy that and part of the competition. And so men will use any means possible to just try to get up against, against them and like go to a higher level and become more alpha compared to them. And so when it comes to our workplaces, note that when like as women going in, especially young women going into these places, we're automatically kind of at the bottom of this power structure, Mm -hmm. just like, our evolutionary patriarchal one that's been around for ages and ages like women are very newly in the workplace and power positions so this is very new and so they see us as competition basically mm-hmm. and so we're going to have to factor that in when we're navigating these situations like you described where you're like I'm just trying to be efficient guys like yeah. there's a better way to do things and they're saying like calm down like that's their way of saying like you're not the one who's going to solve this problem. Like, right. I'm not going to listen to you. Like, cause they don't want you to be above them. And mm-hmm. that happens all the time. Unfortunately, like oh, yeah. you would think people in these places where they say they're like meritocracies would actually behave like they are meritocracies, but they're, mm-hmm. they're not. So. Oh yeah, no, totally. Uh, and I love that you said it, especially in the halo sense, because then it kind of takes it and makes it a little bit more objectified. Uh, because similarly, again, like with every idea, and again, I'm not the only one, I just share my stories because I know it lands lands well. It's a perfect example of exactly to that point. I feel like the people that were intimidated by me or they didn't like the fact that I was a young woman of color, again, kind of coming in with new ideas or trying to change the way that they've always done something. And again, like they were just these like chihuahuas, like they were just barking and you know, like all upset and in a frenzy, but the people that were actually competent and like really good engineers and like knew their shit, like they had no problem, you know, either the meeting or bringing me on and like, Hey, I'll, I'll teach you what I know. Uh, so much more chill and relaxed. So it's, it's really interesting to hear that. Cause I'm like, yeah, that definitely makes sense. They weren't intimidated by me. They were totally confident in who they were and what they had to offer. And they knew if they could bring me along and help them, that only made us a stronger team. Exactly. And yeah. there's such a need for leaders who can create that work environment where everyone feels valued and appreciated, because then there's going to be less infighting. There's going to be less like who's better than what, you know, if, as long as it's more transparent and it's, you know, collaboration is emphasized or promoted and um, seen as a positive thing, which is what a lot of managers will say they promote. But when they actually go about running the business, that's not what yeah. they actually do exactly (laughs) so we need definitely need leaders in manufacturing and other engineering workplaces that know can are aware of this kind of dynamic and can use it to its advantage to make people more productive in the workplace and more efficient absolutely and i think you had said earlier the self-awareness side of again just acknowledging when you're maybe not at your most or your productivity level is really high or really low and just knowing that's part of the, again, human experience of these, you know, uh, deltas, again, highs, lows, the in-betweens. And I think that emotional intelligence side, as you mentioned, with the leaders of being real managers and knowing how to manage that with people. Um, similarly, you were talking about like people that just tend to talk a lot more, get more of their ideas out there. Cause again, swing and a miss. <laughs> yeah. um, but one thing I know, 
I kind of struggle with is the idea of the personalities. When you do a personality test and it shows, oh, you should be an engineer or, oh, your personality shows you should be a salesperson um, versus, you know, you and I both know some incompetent engineers are, again, these people that are just, you know, word vomit and don't even bother to think first. Um, it, they tend to get the benefit of the doubt. Um, I feel like yeah. what what I would give to get to have that because we only have to double, triple, quadruple um, check. And you, and you even yeah, and you even shared like you had all this data and they didn't believe the data. Like, what is that about? <laughs> it's you know what what I would get give to get the benefit of the doubt. Like that makes people's careers. That makes people rise up as scientists, prominent scientists in the field. Like you make one prominent discovery and for the rest of your career, you are brilliant and have brilliant ideas, even if you may not contribute much more than just that initial <laughs> that one. one. It's, it's amazing how much mediocrity, is that how you say it? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> is promoted. Medi I can't speak, <laughs> okay. But um, yeah. yeah, mediocrity. Um, yeah, and like, I think the the rhetoric around women in STEM, one thing that kind of has to do with what you're talking about, there's this talk about we need to inspire women to be in STEM. And I have so many issues with this. <laughs> um, on one hand, I see the value in that women need access to role models to see, like, what can what they can be, like, open their mind to, yeah, you can set goals for yourself, right. sure. But for that to be the primary focus of so many um, outreach initiatives, that doesn't solve the real problems that are in the field, like what mm -hmm. we're talking about. Um, and I think everything plays into this promoting women in STEM, um, but then it kind of has the opposite effect where as a woman in STEM, you now feel like, well, I'm not self-promoting and I'm not, um, I need to demonstrate that I'm passionate and interested and I belong here. And I, and you just trapped in the cycle of proving yourself mm -hmm. when in reality you need to take a step back and be like, I don't need to prove myself. I'm here. Yep. That's it. Cause I know guys who are in the field who wish they were in sociology, they're engineers because their family pressures them and they have no interest in it, but they want to make some money. And so they go into engineering. You, you want to know who questions them? Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Yep. Nobody cares. And so I think the whole, like, th the fact that we see so much, like, we need to inspire women, we need to inspire people to pursue their passion. Like, you don't have to be passionate about engineering to go into engineering. Amen. The only thing you need is to be like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, I think you should follow what you're interested in. I think that's important. But I know for some people, like myself included, like, I wanted to be in a career where I was financially stable. And I love music, but I knew I could never make it as a musician because I hate going on stages and performing music. And so yeah. I thought, okay, well, I'll just go to the science route, you know? So um, there's a practicality to it too, because there are very high paying positions. So um, yeah, that's my little rant about inspiring women. In no, I, I love it. And I, I totally agree. Um, and again, there's so many points where I like want to hold the ideas, but I was just like vibing with you for a whole minute um, is, is simply to me again, like the whole, like, 
Why aren't there more, more women? Why do 45% leave STEM the first five years? And for me, exactly to your point, like getting them in is that access and awareness to your point. Inspire them, sure. Talk about the careers, talk about the opportunities. Okay, cool. Then the last part is the actual development. And that's the part where you say like we fail time and time again girls in school again like don't get called on it's not cool to be the you know the smart girl it's not cool to be the nerd it's not cool to like you know again be better than the boys and I know that was something for me I was just so competitive that that was driving me so many times and I tell people like I loved math I love math it just stopped loving me back in eighth grade when I had algebra (laughs) you know so when it came to like geometry or these very practical hands-on you know, my mother is very mechanically inclined. So again, give us a wrench. Like she, I guess she passed that down to me. Like I'm a very hands-on learner, but when it came to these very conceptual high grade ideas, like it just didn't make sense to me. So I took the GT test, like, I don't know, three times because they were like, you're an amazing student. You have, you know, this, you're just a bright kid. Like you have to be able to be GT, but it was all conceptual. And that's not how I learned. So I love that you said that because again, this spatial awareness, again, all these critical thinking, like women aren't prepared as little girls to have those skill sets. So yes, we see that branch out. And then additionally, let's just say the few of us that did make it through and we like the challenge. I, I too, similarly with the music, I knew I wanted to be a musician, but again, YouTube wasn't a thing. Musically now TikTok wasn't a thing. So I was like, I'm gonna have an at-home studio, which I love, we were both again in front of our pianos. And and the only way to afford that was to your point, have a financially stable job, something that challenged me that I knew it could grow. I, I want to be a boss. Like I know I just, I want to be a leader and I'm gun ho about it. I'm excited and passionate. Um, but to your point, like I don't have to be amazing at math. Like I just have to show up and, and do what I need to do and just get better every day. Like it doesn't have to yeah. be that big of a deal. <laughs> Talent is such a small little helper in a career in STEM. It takes so much more than just your analytical capabilities. And we're taught, like, I'm sure you've attended so many professional development trainings as, as have I, and it's like you get the same lessons over and over, but there's this gaping hole in our education because to do well in a STEM environment for us, for women, for people of color, for anyone except for straight white men, requires navigating these crazy difficult situations that are taboo to talk about like bias and harassment and discrimination. So yeah, it's, it's, I know (laughs) perfectly because I've even found myself, even with the organization, you know, that I serve and now work for uh, again, all these professional development, you know, be authentic and speak your mind and be your true self. And then I show up and then like, People are so adverse to it. Like they are dumbfounded that I'm willing to speak up or call them out or like do CYA meeting minutes, right? Like, no, on this day you said this and like, here are my meeting minutes to like, you know, um, prove it. And people are just, they they are so offended because Mm -hmm. I think to your point, one, they don't expect me to be that high caliber or to be at the level that I am. Um, Other people just feel downright, uh, again, I feel like threatened. And it's crazy because I'm like, wait, I, I took all these trainings because like you said, you know, this is who I needed to be or for me to be successful. These are the skill sets. I came with my skills. And to your point, like now you're finding other ways to, to keep me out of the club, bias, discrimination, but I'm doing the exact same thing. And yeah. I know you and I have talked about this because Fernando, you know, is my fiance. He's a Hispanic, you know, male engineer. And a lot of times like we will literally say the exact same thing, Jill. 
And like, I say it and people are like, why is she so mad? Or like, why is she so like, you know, all um, tyrant about it? And then he says it and he's like, man, he has a plan. He is on it. He is passionate. And I'm just like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. And so Mm -hmm. like for the first couple of years where we were leading and kind of serving on teams together, like there was a lot of really good dialogue, but also like these hard conversations where he was like, I just, I don't think it lands right on people. And I'm like, okay, next time you say exactly what I say and like, we'll see and we'll have a conversation about it after. And so even just that opportunity of self-reflection and self-awareness for him, like really opened his eyes and he's like, oh crap, I like, I didn't realize. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that happens so much. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Like I heard somebody just say in a meeting, something I've been saying for months and they were like, oh yeah, we should try that. And I'm just like, like Jill at least we're gonna actually do yes. it now no like um picking battles man picking battles but definitely like um and I think the thing that I've kind of realized in making this online course on navigating discrimination harassment is that it's a skill set that's not valued mm-hmm. and it's not even seen as a skill set needed to be in the field. I was going to say, so, yeah, do people even know that this is a skill set that we need or that, it, to your point, is this gaping hole? Yes, it's, it's like not available and it's only available if you like have your best friends and you guys are like gossiping about the sexist professor, the racist colleague, like that's the only type of time where you're learning from each other on how to navigate these situations. Mm-hmm. And um and then the harassment training that we get is so sad and not it it caters to it's supposed to be like bias prevention mm-hmm. it, I think it should be more of like a training for victims on how to navigate it than like because bias is going to be there like we're not going to get rid of that that exists in the workplace and outside on the streets right. everywhere <laughs> around the world like it's everywhere and so it's not like you're gonna solve it in your little office cubicle environment um Mm -hmm. that's so um providing resources to victims of harassment is something that like that's what I'm working on right now and I know you work on that with with all the organizations that you're a part of and it's just there's there could be so much done in that space and I think things need to move forward in that space And obviously with my background, like I'm a white woman, white straight woman. So it's like, I'm missing, I don't know how to navigate racism. I don't know how to navigate homophobia, ableism, all that stuff. So um, definitely we need more people to come and bring that knowledge. But also I know a lot of people do bring that knowledge, but do it in a way, get this. That's why I'm making online course too, is that I can make money off of it because this is a valuable skill set. And so if you are giving your knowledge to other people to help, that's great. But like, how to make sure that you're getting something out of that because otherwise you're just draining yourself. And for us people who want to come in as teachers and help people, like we need to be caring for ourselves first and foremost. And I know like you and I talk about self-care all the time. So I know you know this and I'm sure you can speak to this, but like, fill up your own cup first, right? (laughs) Absolutely. And I love the fact that you said that because this was actually a conversation with other Latinas in STEM that I was having recently. 
because someone came after a girl who's, you know, she started up opening her Etsy shop and she's making stickers and water bottles. And um, they were like, you know, you're a fake or, you know, whatever. And they were just being ugly, right? Trolls. And she like took it personal. She's like, I know I'm not supposed to care, but like, you know, I'm doing this so I can raise a scholarship and so I can, you know, help other women uh, that are wanting to pursue STEM. And to me, I said, I don't care if you were saving up for a yacht or if because you wanted to buy a Louis Vuitton bag, like it's none of anybody else's damn business. Uh, You know, again, they wouldn't question anyone else if, again, all these people on YouTube trying to make it and all these guys, you know, talking about real estate or anything else, like if this is a hobby of yours and you're making money, like more power to you. To your point, we're solving a problem. This is a skill set I have, I can offer and, and help. I should also be compensated for bringing this value to someone. And I, I really appreciated one, the fact that you brought it up because again, yes, tweetable. Um, but additionally, when we were talking about, you know, racism and all the racial inequities that are coming up, a lot of these people are being asked, hey, can you share your experience? Or hey, can you help educate us? But again, they're not being offered to be compensated. And to your point, like, I don't owe anybody anything. Um, And, you know, if if it is something that I choose, first and foremost, that's your choice. But second of all, again, like, you deserve to get compensated. And even like, and it doesn't always have to be money, but you know, just a solid exchange, like, I can give you this, and what am I going to get in return? And I don't think that that's something one that we're prepared, you know, to, to negotiate or to stand up for ourselves. Um, but two, even to like, to navigate through that. Yeah. And like one of the topics we are going to talk about is owning your skills and your ideas. This is part of that. Mm-hmm. This is part of recognizing that you and your experiences are valuable. Like only you have that expertise of how to live like you and how to get to, from where you were to where you are. And that is like your bread and butter. Like that's your asset. That's your strength. That's yeah. your secret sauce. And that is what you should be using to leverage to your advantage, whether it be monetary, building relationships, like whatever it means to you to get to that success or to be like, get reparations. <laughs> like You need to be doing that. And I think um, as, at least, I don't know if you've experienced this, but as a woman in a male dominant field, we're also often looked to at by professors or colleagues as like oh you're the woman you're good at teaching and with kids like why don't you do this outreach stuff for free like in your free time it's like I'm done done. (laughs) I'll do it when I choose to you know exactly if I have time but right now I'm starting a business I'm working full-time you know I'm living my life so yeah yeah I have Um, other priorities uh and I love that because similarly I've tend to like been tapped with oh you're the community one like you know uh you know, schedule the group meetings. And I was like, again, the conversation becomes, and we start, I, I kind of opened up, like I said, the LinkedIn article I had read about like moms and, you know, the family, whatever. But as a single woman, to your point, if I choose to just sit on my couch with a face mask, with a glass of wine every Tuesday, Thursday, like I don't have to, you know, stay late because I'm single or because I'm not with child. I, you know, like, it can, it can be just as much. Like we have our own priorities. We make our own decisions. and it's something again i'm i'm excited because we're having to face this reality and really kind of face our demons now um it's very unfortunate again kind of the unrest that's happening and everything's kind of just coming to the surface but i i definitely see like 
it's much needed. You know, these are conversations that have been needing to happen. Again, the sexual harassment and the just, again, workplace harassment, the fact that, you know, the Me Too movement happened, um, you know, that it had started, what, a decade plus ago. And then, you know, just within the last recent years, it kind of took off and got the attention it deserved. Um, And it's just, again, I feel like we're, we're much more in this kind of coming to a climactic like we have to face you know when the shit's going to hit the fan and hopefully we can be on the descending side of the healing and the the conversations and approaches that we should have been doing all along yeah I hope so like it's about damn time (laughs) (laughs) I hear you I'm there with you and I know like for us, like we're both, we just hit the big 30, right? Like mm-hmm. we're now in our careers. Like um, I think just, you know, in our, for my mother's generation, like the world was totally different at that time. And now we're seeing so many changes. Like COVID is like this time and quarantine is just accelerating the change. And we can look at it as like, oh, like all this, horrible stuff is happening. Yeah, there's so much horrible stuff happening in the world all the time. Um, But what's also happening is opportunity Mm. and rooms for change. And I really love Bell Hooks. She's a feminist scholar. And she says, talks a lot about how we need to imagine new realities and work to create, or I say to work to create those new realities. Mm. And so, I've also been listening to some marketing uh, audiobooks and podcasts and a lot, what a lot of people are saying is we're moving away from like a mass uh, advertising to like be, you're being weird. And like there's different niches now that are coming up that you can serve those specific populations. Mm-hmm. And the way things are changing, I have, I'm optimistic really that we can make these better workplaces that are better for people, that work better for people but it really takes growing awareness standing up for ourselves saying enough is enough and even at times like choosing to separate from that and do our own thing and being like i have my niche group that i'm going to cater to that is going to help me live and an income and that's all i need i don't need the establishment i just need these people over here um yeah, I'm just kind of rambling right now. But <laughs> oh, no, I, I'm looking for it because it, as you're speaking, I feel like you're speaking to my soul. Um, I always feel like I have to preface with, you know, oh, I've had this Instagram for over five years and this personal brand, but like, I'm not Insta famous. And, and you just said it perfectly. It's so much more of like the subgroup of the subgroup of the subgroup. And again, it's, yeah. I don't know, 2,800 people now, but like, that's my group. And it, I'm, it's much more about the DMs, you know, me getting like a message on a Monday or me sharing something, or again, our podcast and like the 15 people that are going to say, oh my gosh, this really spoke to me. Thank you so much. How can I sign up for Jill's course? You know, like, and it's just those things that they really find what they need. Again, whether it be a conversation, a quote, a book, um, or even just the realization, as we talked earlier, that they are not the only ones. Uh, just that resonance really is like, okay, I can do this. You know, okay, me spending an hour, right, having a really good conversation with my friend and re- making the point to record it, to share it with other people becomes like, that's worth it for me. Um, and so I, I love the fact that you're, again, helping us educate and understand that it's not this whole, you have to be insta-famous or you have to, you know, have this big following, yeah. even have an official title. I know that was something that held me back for so many years of, oh, well, when I get to a certain level of influence, then I'll, you know, my ideas become important. 
And if, if you can make it happen, make it happen. Like you being in my, you have added so much value and blessings to my life just in the past few years that like, I, more so than so many people who have like a billion followers, you know, cause it's, it's, it's not about, it's, it's more meaningful to have that authenticity. That's what, for me, at least, like, I know there's people out there who, you know, they want to build their brand and, and get, you know, a million followers and, and have influence over all these things. And sure, they may have influence, but like, you are the type of person who like touches people. You know what I mean? Not like yeah. literally, like, no, I but like, I appreciate that. <laughs> you, you tap into the heart and, and I feel like, um, this, in this day and age where we have access to these communication tools where we can contact anyone all over the world um we can have that intimate contact even if like i didn't meet you for like the first few years that i knew you but i felt like we were like best friends so it's it's really crazy how these um how technology can just help you access your people who previously you never would have met or been so disconnected from and that's been like seeing you and others in the space where sure you have like a thousand followers because like there's only a thousand people in your field, you know, right. <laughs> it's like there are a thousand Latina engineers, yep. <laughs> you know, so it's like, it's a niche, niche subfield that you're, you're, yeah, but you're, but just the fact that you're there for them is just, it means, it means the world. And I hope people like you understand that like you are changing the world. Like you are making an impact hundred percent and I you're only just that. getting started. You're, I know. You're only just getting I receive started. it. I accept it. Thank you. Um, it means the world. And, and it, that's exactly why I started the people engineer again. I was nerding out about engineering and the more conversations again, people sliding in the DMS or asking questions. And it was so much more about to your point, like how do I navigate this? How do I show up as my full self or, when the rest of the world is telling me I'm crazy, like, how do you keep going? Um, and I know that's something, you know, you and I have talked about, like, students are so vulnerable in this position because they're kind of in this place and they're looking for validation and they're looking for that confirmation and reassurance, like, hey, I'm not crazy and this is an uphill battle. Yes. Um, and, and even as adults, like you said, we just hit 30 years old and we're still like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> so I think you hit the nail on the head of, of just saying, like, that authenticity of, you know, having the strength and the confidence to say what you do or do not know, or, hey, I'm learning as we go. Um, and I, I think it takes, I know it takes true strength and just that self-awareness that you're talking about to, to simply just to be and to live your life and not live it for someone else to, to kind of, again, face off the haters or the trolls, uh, because I just feel like so many other people out there are so insecure that they begin to project that onto you. Um, would you have any advice on how to share that authenticity or how to find that within yourself? Uh, meditation, mindfulness. Um, but I think like there's so many ways, but definitely like I keep saying, like developing your self-awareness, emotional intelligence, getting a therapist, like really just diving deep into yourself and being alone and learning how to just love yourself, feed yourself, make yourself happy. Cause then once you reach this level of like, I'm so confident and happy in who I am and I'm wonderful. Then anyone who like comes in and like tries to knock down your door, you'll just be like, Whoa, like, no, no, <laughs> not you're, not that. Gonna mess with, you're not going to mess with my like 
centered bubble of self-love like if if you can't add to my self-love then get get on out um and I think in a way so I mean we talk about bias harassment and these crazy office politics with these men domineering but honestly like I have learned so much from the men I've worked with on how to show up authentically how to care for myself in the workplace how to stand up for myself and and just how to um, eliminate those self-limiting beliefs. I like mimic the men who I admire in the workplace to mm-hmm. get to that place of confidence. And I think men have a lot of great traits that women can like emulate in the workplace. I don't necessarily mean raising your voice in a meeting to get your point across, tried that, doesn't work. <laughs> but I mean, things like, um, I can't even think of one off the top of my head, but just like saying your ideas, even if they're wrong or right. right. That's a great thing to do. So um, I definitely think I've learned a lot from being in the world of men, you know, the male dominant workplaces that I wouldn't have learned if I worked at a job with dominantly females in mm-hmm. the workplace. So, um, it, I mean, taking everything as a lesson to learn grow is just always a best practice, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, and I love that you said that because, as I mentioned earlier, again, kind of the future is female and that kind of um, becoming the evil we're trying to battle. I I love that. Again, like men are our allies and we can certainly learn from them with them. Um, You had mentioned uh, earlier when we were kind of just talking uh, in passing about like the book of war or the book, The War of Art. Um, Is that something similar? I guess, would you mind kind of how that plays into all this? Oh, so yeah, I mean, speaking of learning from men, so I'm dating, I'll just be open about this. I'm dating and I've met a lot of guys who are very ambitious and I I love meeting them because it shows me that you can dream bigger than where you're at currently. And the way that they get where they got was like through their great relationships or through working hard or um, being in the right place at the right time, but like having that skill set to then and and advocating for themselves so it's been great to like learn from these different people that i've just been dating but so one guy i was dating um he had this book the war of art that he gave to me because or he didn't he let me borrow it because i was working on this course and this book is just all about getting rid of all the barriers to you achieving your art and i think it's really beautiful to think of your work just at work or in your life or your business you're starting, your entrepreneurship, your Instagram page, whatever, as like your art, like it's an artistic process Mm -hmm. to grow that into you're exploring yourself, you're exploring the medium you're using. And this book is just all about every single little thing that'll get in your way that you will put in your way to block you from reaching that end result. Procrastination, thinking that you're not good enough, self-doubt, like this it's about like 150 pages long it's really quick read Mm -hmm. and as I'm reading it I'm realizing reading this is procrastination like this is (laughs) I should be working on my course uh but I like quickly flip through it I was like okay I get the point just put it down and do my do my work Mm -hmm. um and I think in our society we have so many pressures coming from all different places that really deter us reaching what our goals really are Mm -hmm. and this could be like social pressures, pressures you put on yourself, like how you think you should be acting or whatever, like all the FOMO. <laughs> um, and when it comes down to in your goals, like you, 
you really need to just streamline your life down to the bare minimum of what you need. That's like self-care and your goals. Mm -hmm. And if self-care and your goals are the same, that's even, that's even better. So, um, the world, the war on our, our war of art, because it's like the art of war. But yeah, that's exactly why I always want to say it backwards. <laughs> the war of art. It's really good. Did you read it? I haven't yet. Um, like I said, I, was, I had it on my list. And so again, I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, Jill had mentioned this. Uh, so I love it. Especially again, you're talking about kind of the um, tens of bursts of energy or, you know, when you're in the yeah. vibe or in the moment and, and I've caught myself like, I should be doing this. I should be like grinding and, and rather yeah. than just listen to my body, I just need to drink a glass of water. I just need to like unplug and not look at it, you know, <laughs> rather than just like burl through it. And then it's not like, again, it's not my art. It's not me. I'm just yeah. trying to kind of bang through it. And it's something yeah. that I talk about, you know, regularly. And, I'm probably, and as you mentioned earlier, with just kind of sitting with yourself, the meditation, the uh, therapy, the self-awareness, that's all really hard, especially in today's world where there's just so many distractions. Again, there's so many yeah. books to read. There's so many podcasts to listen to. There's, you know, so many uh, YouTube channels to subscribe to. Um, and so I think, as you mentioned it, to kind of focus on your on your health, your mental health, first and foremost, um, and then your goals, like for that to be second. And again, if or when they collide, absolutely. And that's exactly where I'm at now. Like, how do I feel like I'm making the most of my potential of, um, you know, my voice of what I have to say, bringing value to the world, and then some, um, again, taking care of myself, and then just sharing what I learn. And similar, right, to your point with the bias and harassment and everything you've gone through. And again, let me just teach what I'm learning and how I'm navigating through it. Would you mind, I guess, sharing a little bit about kind of your course and maybe when we can expect it or what's that looking like now? Yeah, sure. So the course I'm making is, it's called the STEM Thrive Guides. That's what I've trademarked as the name. And it's courses on how to navigate bias, harassment, and discrimination at work and school. And I'm specifically catering it to people like me, like women in STEM, and it really, I think, will speak to people who are early in their careers, so undergraduates as well as graduate and young or early career professionals. Though I do think if people are further along in their career and still are experiencing these struggles and still like not knowing how to navigate it, I think it could be helpful to them as well. Um, but yeah, I go through um, what I've kind of invented for myself, like because I'm an engineer, I have to have like a straight, a framework and a structure to work through like a process. <laughs> yep. Yep. And process I, flow map that I try these things. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me to look back, like in the course, I share all these stories of times I was harassed as I, and I was, as I was building this course, going through each one, I was learning how, like, I was reflecting back on how each instance I learned and grew and learned something new about how to navigate the situations. So by the last time I was navigating a situation, I had this, what I call the resilience mindset and the reporting framework. So the resilience mindset, there's five truths to that. And then the reporting framework has five variables. And those are what the key, like the secret sauce is to figure out how to navigate the situation. So that and more, is in this course and I'm, I love it I'm so excited like <laughs> I don't even care if anyone takes it like if five people take it and they're like this is awesome my life is complete like I'm done <laughs> love it I will be the first to join I will sit and learn and listen myself because like 
I'm just learning based off what I've had experience, unfortunately, similarly, like we've had our own uh, too many to count um, and to continue to grow and learn from it. But I, I love, 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 you know, they always say kind of turn your pain into someone else's gain. And you're, again, it's a beautiful gift for you yeah. to simply do this. So first of all, thank you. Um, and second of all, I'm super excited for you. Um, this is going to be great. Um, can you tell us, I guess, how to find you? I know you've been sharing great stuff on Instagram. So on Instagram, it's at STEM Thrive Guide. Uh, and then there's, there's no website yet. So I guess it's just Instagram. I think there's a Facebook group too, but you can also find me at, at Jill Pastana on Instagram. And like anyone can message me, I'm accessible. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's where they can find it. Perfect. So I'll go ahead and make sure we add notes you know, again, the links to you to how to find you and contact you if anyone's interested listening. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm hoping to release the course October 16th. You're the oh, first to hear it. Perfect. I'm still getting the logo made and everything. So we'll see, but I'm hoping by mid-October it'll be out and ready. That's so exciting, Joe. I'm so happy for you. Um, thank you for sharing that. Um, and is there any last parting words of wisdom? Again, this has been such a, a wonderful conversation. Uh, we could talk for hours, but. Uh. <laughs> I know. Um, words of wisdom. I think just, you know, knowing that you can trust yourself to anyone listening. And I need to hear that every day. Like, trust yourself. You know what's best for you. Mm -hmm. And you're an amazing brand. Oh, thank you. I love you. It means the world to me. Um, and thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, so for those listening, again, if you'd like to reach out to Jill, contact information will be in the show notes, both on YouTube and in the podcast. Um, and we look forward to continuing to support her and the STEM Thrive Guide. Uh, I'm really excited and we'll have to probably bring you on after as the course is going. Um, this is a really great stuff, much needed. Uh, and again, hopefully even there's a first step in the right direction. Yay! Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. For I, sure. Special. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure. I, I'm the one that feels special. Uh, but with that, I'll go ahead and close us out. And thank you all so much. If there's any other questions you might have for Jill afterwards, feel free to uh, leave a voice note in the show notes. Uh, feel free to contact both of us. Uh, like Jill said, she'll make herself accessible. Um, and additionally, any other questions or topics you'd like to cover? If there's, again, a, a part two you'd like for us to bring Jill on for uh, another episode, um, again, we can continue these conversations and more. Um, anything and everything centered around life, career, and growth. Uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the People Engineer Podcast, and we'll check you later. Bye-bye.